curiosity not only killed the cat, it spawned a whole radio show. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. It's raining. Bullshit. Let's get him up straight away, Mark Honeychurch for Skeptical Thoughts. Hello, Mark. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. Uh, just ahead of the info burst at the top of the hour, uh, a couple of things from the revelations this week after two years, a grand jury uh, investigation into um, child sexual abuse, rape, in, uh, within the Catholic Church and the cover-ups that uh, have been surrounding it. It's shocking stuff, isn't it? It is. It is pretty sad. Um, I mean, they're saying, what, 300 priests and over a thousand victims. And Shapiro, who's the attorney general of Pennsylvania, said he doesn't even think this is the extent of it, that, you know, that there'll be stuff that they didn't uncover. So it's worse than this. And if this is the case just in Pennsylvania, I had a quick look and I found that Pennsylvania has a population of 12.81 million and the U.S. is just over 300. So it's about a 30th of the population. So the idea that there might be, you know, possibly up to 10,000 priests out there who have been abusing children, it's a horrible thought. Yeah, uh, just a little thing from Holy Kool-Aid. I'm just not making it up. Well, I just suppose I, I am uh, not making it up. But I, I think he's a, a good um, commentator on this sort of stuff. He doesn't hold back and he's not particularly mean either. Although one could be excused for being rather mean, uh, given the amount of evidence. Here's a little bit from Holy Kool-Aid. Uh, what, do, do you concur with me or do, shall I play something else? Mark. No, no, go with it. Yeah. I don't want falsehoods out there. People are saying this is going on today. Let me tell you something. This is uh, Bill O'Donoghue. You know him, don't you? Or you've heard of him? <laughs> He's awful. I, I can't stand Bill, but, uh, you know, the media seem to keep reporting on him, unfortunately. Okay. He's um, paid by the Catholic Church to uh, keep appearances, it seems. I don't want falsehoods out there. People are saying this is going on today. Let me tell you something. The reforms issued by the, the bishops in 2002 are working. There are paedophiles in the community which the Roman Catholic Church has identified, has evidence about, yet has not handed that information over to the police or law enforcement authorities. The reforms issued by the, the bishops in 2002 are working. The Vatican has reports on more than 4,000 cases of sex abuse by priests and nuns against minors, but they refuse to release details of what they are. This is not going on in 2018. Literally this week, NBC published a letter from the Vatican's former ambassador to the U.S. that claimed that the Pope himself helped to cover up Cardinal McCarrick's history of sex abuse. There are 30 pedophiles running around in very high positions in Pennsylvania or outside of position, Pennsylvania. You don't get 30 names redacted out of a Supreme Court of ruling unless you're powerful, unless you've got some kind of pull. In the case of the molesting priests, almost all of them were homosexuals. So you, you've got to look at it that way. Let's imagine that we can overlook this and say it is nothing whatever to do with the structure and nature of the Catholic Church. I think uh, I'll give the last word to Stephen Fry here at a debate from 2009. It's lovely. And the twisted, neurotic and hysterical way that its leaders are chosen. The celibacy, the nuns, the monks, the priesthood. It's the strange thing about this church. It is obsessed with sex. Absolutely obsessed. Now they will say, 
They will say we with our permissive society and our rude jokes are obsessed. No, we have a healthy attitude. We like it. It's fun. It's jolly. Because it's a primary impulse, it can be dangerous and dark and difficult. It's a bit like food in that respect, only even more exciting. The only people who are obsessed with food are anorexics and the morbidly obese. And that, in erotic terms, is the Catholic Church in a nutshell. All right. Um, that says quite a bit. Anything else you would like to say about it, Mark? Uh, not much. You know, the kinds of arguments you're hearing from defenders of the Catholic Church, like Donoghue and others, they're just they're horrible arguments. Arguments like that it's not child abuse because a lot of it's homosexual. It's actually it's a gay thing and not, not a problem with paedophilia. The idea that they're comparable to other organisations. But, of course, other organisations don't say that they're doing the divine work of God. They don't put themselves above the population and say that they're better. So it's, um, yeah, that there's no real good arguments for this. The church is guilty of can be um, and it would be nice just to see them front up to it and uh, and be honest but I can't imagine that happening and yeah that, that debate you played a little bit from with Stephen Fry if people get to watch that whole thing it's a brilliant debate yeah it is quite remarkable it's well worth it Intelligence Squared uh, is the Catholic Church a force for good any of those keywords will get you to it on YouTube alright you've done some field work uh, <laughs> And I should tell people there's an article on stuff now which will give you pretty much what we're going to tell you. But we're telling you live. Mark Honeychurch is the subject of the article on stuff. Uh, it's up on our, um, on our website, the Candela School, allowing evangelism in the schools. Okay, you went there and did your thing. Mark. Yeah, so um, I'm a part of the Secular Education Network, and the, the network believes that schools should be secular and that really there's no place for religious instruction. And just to clarify for anybody that's not sure, a lot of people seem to think that religious instruction is just teaching about religion. Um, but that's not the case. When you teach about different religions and what they believe, that's comparative religion. Religious instruction is the idea that the teachers believe that a single faith is the God-given truth, and they teach this as fact to children. Um, and so this is something that shouldn't be happening in schools because schools are meant to be secular, but it does happen because there's something of a silly loophole in the law at the moment that unfortunately hasn't been repealed yet. But we'd, at the Secular Education Network, we'd love to see it repealed. Um, and this is what Candala School in Wellington are looking to use. And interestingly, they've had a, a bit of a rough, uh, rocky past with this. They, they bought in, I think, in 2016, first off religious instruction, but back then they forgot got to tell the parents and from what i heard today apparently they might have even forgotten to tell the board of trustees and the board of trustees are the people that are supposed to approve any kind of religious instruction in school so the whole thing was done ass about face and was was pretty embarrassing from what i can tell for the school a lot of parents were not happy so they tried again in 2017 and they they taught for a few months and now they're trying for a third attempt so this attempt they're putting in a new policy for clubs and there's a big clause in there just about religious instruction. And it looks like this policy is being bought out just so that they can claim that it's OK to have religious instruction. Um, and we, we've talked about religious instruction before and the types of churches that go into schools. This one is at the bad end. This is uh, a rice church, which uh, they're evangelical. They like to talk about winning children over for God. And it's interesting to see that there's a real disconnect 
um, between the two sides. On the one side, churches like Arise, they, they agree to promises um, with the schools that they won't evangelize, that all they're doing is teaching values and ethics. They're teaching ideas of how to behave properly. But then when they step into the church on Sunday, they tell the congregation that they are evangelizing, that they are preaching the gospel, that they are telling the truth of Jesus to the children and bringing kids to God. But it's okay to lie for Jesus outside of church. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, really, because, you know, I imagine a lot of the time the uh, the schools will trust the church when the church says, no, no, we won't talk about Jesus. This is just, you know, we're, we're doing you a freebie. We're doing you a course teaching children how to be ethical and moral. But in actual fact, that's not why the churches are doing. And that seems to be, in general, not what they do when they're in the classes. And I, I think we've got a clip of a couple of the leaders of Arise yeah. talking about their work in schools. And this is when they're in church not talking to the board. You know, God's given to our church huge open doorways to teach Bible in schools. It's literally in our New Zealand law that churches and and people of religion have to be allowed into schools for 30 minutes every week to talk about religious things. Well, I reckon that what they need to see is not just a grandma who's 65, although God bless her, I'm not speaking against her. But they need to see someone in their 30s, someone in their 20s, someone in their early 40s, who's part of a vibrant and alive church who actually loves Jesus, got some energy, saying to a whole new generation of New Zealanders, my Jesus is alive. He loves people. Church, our our church has been busy doing so many great things. We're giving God praise that we've been in schools sharing the gospel message to over 4,000 children in Wellington alone. The gospel has been going out. Well, they're very happy about that. They've, they've uh, got what they want there, children for Jesus. <laughs> of course, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the first thing we heard there about it being a legal right for churches to be able to walk into schools. That's nonsense, basically. A board of trustees decides whether religious instruction happens and decides which groups are allowed to do it. So there's no right like a rise church thinks for them to be able to walk into any schools. But in this case with Kandala School, it turns out that quite a few of the parents of the kids do go to a rise. And I believe there's even one of the uh, leaders of the church is on the board of trustees. And it looks like pressure has been applied from within to allow this religious instruction to go on. Um, I don't want to see it happen. So there are a lot of parents there don't want to see it happen. And so they contacted the Sector Education Network. And understandably, they didn't want to be the ones standing outside of school at three o'clock, handing out flyers about the policy and about Arise Church and about religious instruction. So it was great that some of us who aren't from the local school, aren't from the local suburb, were able to come from other parts of Wellington, take a little bit of flack. A couple of people were a little bit angry. One of them said we should just live and let live, which given that the church is not living and let live, it's a little bit ironic that they want us to. Um, But it was nice that we could take that flack. We could be there as independent people, talking to the parents, giving them information. And um, yeah, hopefully we've, we've helped the parents there that are concerned. And fingers crossed, we will see maybe a sensible decision coming out of the board. Yeah. Um, in a society that has all vague or barely detectable, but it's their background sort of noise of Christianity in the background, they think, well, what's wrong with it? Um, the idea of secular uh, viewpoint in this and not having any religious instruction preaching one way or the other, it protects 
it protects those that believe because if they want their religion in, uh, any religion can say, well, we want ours too. And where does it end? That's one of the major points where secular education is a thing to be protected. Yeah, secular seems to be the the best solution we have for being fair. And we we find that with this, although, as I've said, in theory, any religious group could could get into a school, it tends to be the majority religion, which in pretty much everywhere in New Zealand is going to be Christianity. Well, what about someone who's very animated about their religion? Um, uh, A radical Islamist. Um, They're allowed in too now. Imagine it's probably not going to happen, um, thankfully. But it, in some places, maybe if there's a if there's a Muslim majority, you you might find that it will be Islamic. Although but I if they put in a request, that's the same as anyone else's request, isn't it? Yeah, but then of course the board is the board is only made up of humans, and uh, you know they they sit down and they chat and they make their decisions. Um, so yes, it, it's an interesting one um, how that goes. But w- with a rise, I mean, we we talked I think last year about an arise service, and they are very evangelical. They believe the Earth is six thousand years old. Mm. Uh, I've been to one of their services where one of their visiting pastors has claimed that he is able to raise people from the dead. It's quite crazy stuff, and not the kind of stuff I want to be thinking that kids are being taught. And the parents in this um, talking to them, they're worried about divisiveness. I mean, it's already causing a problem in the suburb. They're worried about people who are of different faiths people who are of no faith are being alienated and it is it is making a split in the community and they don't want that to happen and as you said secular is is the way to do this it's it's the best way to solve that problem it protects all of them okay uh we'll take a short break when we're back uh you've done some more field work gone to an allergy expo and goodness me some of the claims they're marvelous don't go anywhere folks skeptical thoughts with mark honey Life, the universe, and everything in between. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Skeptical thoughts with Mark Honeychurch uh, just this week. Only because I saw it this week. It's a repeat, but I just saw it on the TV this week. I laughed until I stopped. An actual vicar, Mark, uh, while we're talking about uh, evangelists and things, an Anglican vicar. How Anglican is this? Most Anglicans that I've come across, uh, you question them about their beliefs, what they really believe in, and it's pretty hard to pair it away from atheism, actually, other than for some fluffy talk. And this guy was on um, Would I Lie to You, the panel show with David Mitchell and Lee Mack, they're really pretty funny. I enjoy watching it. And this vicar was on there. They have to say uh, whether they um, they make a statement and the rest of the panel have to say, is it true or is it not? And they have to make out, you know, tell a big fat lie or tell the story behind it. And the other panel says, is it true or is it not? <laughs> anyway, this moment happened and I thought a nice pe- piece of um, self-awareness from this Anglican vicar. <laughs> So, what are you thinking, Lee's team? Uh, Clive, oh, does I, this strike you as true? I don't think it's true because it, it was the flip-flopping between the accents that I thought was a little bit suspect. Richard, what about you? Well, in a very real sense, what is truth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've heard that before. Anyway, Mark, I thought that might, might be nice for a laugh. Yeah.
Yeah, uh, I I love sometimes talking to English vicars and um and and parts of the clergy. I've had some great conversations where yeah, I've had to ask, are you actually just atheist? You know, yeah. it, it seems like the church is community for you rather than any kind of religious belief. All right, you've done some more field work and you've gone to an allergy get together. It's an expo. Tell us what you went and did. We've got we we've also listeners got you in action. <laughs> we do. So, yes. So this is a lot like for uh, regular listeners, the uh, Go Green Expo that um, myself and other skeptics try to get to whenever possible. But this one was called the Allergy Free and Healthy Living Show. Uh, it looks a lot like the Go Green in that there wasn't really much to do with the topic at hand. Most of what was there was just nonsense. It was people selling fake cures for big bucks. A lot of the the people that I know and hate um, so there were several people selling magnetic bracelets, salt water, uh, chiropractic, all sorts of nonsense there. And one I haven't had a good conversation with before, but I managed to get up to yesterday was Zentech. And we've talked about Zentech before, I think last year or the year before. Zentech, who make magnetic bracelets, and Shoesy, who make microchip bracelets, both nonsense. But um, they ended up getting into a fight because the Zentech guy was slagging off the Shoesy bracelet. The Zentech guy ended up punching the Shoesy guy in the head a few times and in court was ordered to pay medical costs, which I think was 300 bucks. Get out! You're kidding me! It's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? Um, And it's just the the two of them fighting over it. kind of felt like I should have been stirring it up to get them to do it again. But I, I did go and talk to this angry guy that seems to have been happy to punch people in the head. Uh, his name is Victor Reiter. And um, I, had a, I had a really good chat with him. We did a nice little demonstration um, about it. It's the standard applied kinesiology test. I stood on one leg, put my arms out. He pushed with the bracelet not in my hand and he unbalanced me. He pushed on one of my arms again with me holding the bracelet and suddenly I was stable. And there's a really simple explanation, which is that the angle he pushes makes a very big difference. And quite possibly he doesn't realize he's doing this. But I then offered to do a blind test. I said, hey, how about we do this and you don't see whether I've got the bracelet in my hand or not. Soon as I said that, the guy was no longer interested in doing these tests. Then he's a liar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I imagine probably so. I imagine suddenly he realized that it, he's going to look very stupid. He claimed he was too busy and could I come back later, but there was nobody else around the stall. He had nothing else to be doing. But I did manage to get a nice little audio recording of him explaining about one bracelet, how it worked and what was on it. Um, okay. I think so what are the different colored dots on the inside of the bracelet for? Yeah, good question. I'll show you. So that's the magnet which purifies the blood. So that's germanium pain, like arthritis and cramps. Yep. That's uh, negative ions for your memory, it's also a mood enhancer. And that's germanium for pain, like arthritis and cramps. So they're different metals, are they? Uh, they're minerals. Minerals. So they, they actually work a synergy, right, with all those different minerals. Yeah. Yep. So, and the bracelet's made of titanium, so it's super strong. And it also acts as an anti-inflammatory when you wear it on your body. Yeah, so it wow. brings down inflammation. So inflammation is... You know, to do with a lot of this stuff. That's arthritis, diabetes, yeah. back pain. Yeah. There's a lot on that list. There is. And so yeah. this helps with all of them That's because right. the four work in synergy. Correct. That's the Rolls Royce, that one. So we do yeah. have smaller ones. And how much is this? Oh, that's $4.99 today. $4.99. So it's normally... <laughs> 99 
Yeah, and that was down. Apparently, it's normally $599, but for the show, he'd knocked off 100 bucks. And it's just a, a little brace. It looks like a watch strap. And on the inside, it's got, I think, four or five different colored dots. And we heard them describing what they were and what they do. All the claims are nonsense. None of this does anything. The only thing he could prove it actually does is that the little magnetic bits pick up a metal ball. That that was the one thing that the bracelet was actually able to do. Beyond that, he just talked nonsense. Um, and I just hope that nobody's buying these things. It's really bad. Mm. All right, milk allergies. I think this is a bit of, you know, the, the, what is that, the lactose intolerance. I think it's a real thing, although it's not exactly up there with guinea worm. Uh, it might make you feel a bit, oh, if, and why not feel better? But anyway, the, these people, I'm sure, have some help. Um, yeah, so I, I think um, when you talk about the milk allergy, so this was, there was a woman I talked to who was selling Asia, and Asia is salt water. Um, but the company, they go to great pains to explain that it's not salt water. They say that when they make it, it's salt water, but somehow it magically turns itself into redox signaling molecules that your cells need. Um, basically, they're trying to say that it turns into hydrogen peroxide, that it's some kind of bleach. So it's another one of these bleach things like miracle mineral solution. It's not going to do anything good for you. It doesn't get into your cells to do what they say it's going to do. So it's a total waste of money. But the, the conversation I had with the woman selling it, it was wide ranging. And I think the audio clip that we've got, if we've got time to play it, yep. talks about her dairy allergy. Okay. And someone said to me, oh, I think you're allergic to dairy. Um, and it was a guy who you know douses and I'm like oh I don't think so I've had dairy for you know 40 odd years 50 years and he said no I think you're allergic to dairy and I cut dairy out and I was definitely better but it didn't resolve the underlying problem that I had that had built up over the years which was that I had a problem with my hip really bad problem I could barely walk when I started on the ASEA the pain in my hip resolved over time so my body healed it but if I have dairy and I've run out of a seer, I feel it. I actually feel it really? in my body that quickly. Mm. So there we heard about it. The, the ASEA helps with her dairy problems. Um, we also heard that she was diagnosed with dairy intolerance by a dowser. Uh, which was just a throwaway comment from her. But the whole conversation was beautiful. You know, she talked to me about acupuncture as if it was a proven fact, and I just looked at her quizzically. Um, we talked a lot about cancer. She made definite claims that this salt water is able to cure cancer, which was really gutting to hear. And I was told that in order to be able to prevent cancer and make sure that I'm never going to become sick from it, I should buy this and I should drink it every month. So it's like a thimble full a day, I think, or a bit more. She reckoned a bottle would last um, a week, so a pack of four would last a month. It's about $50 for a one-litre bottle. So it's going to be about two and a half grand a year to buy this um, with the idea that it's going to prevent diseases I wouldn't even be sure I'd be getting in the first place. So just another one of these really, really horrible, insidious, products that on top of everything else it's multi-level marketing it, it, it was just nonsense on top of nonsense with this product um so sad that it hasn't been shut down yet in this country and i really hope that maybe MedSafe or the commerce commission can look into it and do something about it okay you also spoke we've got a couple of minutes i uh, spoke to someone from avatar this has got scientology connections i think they're selling you uh, a, a, a personal development course 
Yeah, so this one was quite fluffy. And if we listen to the audio, it's um, it's just kind of holistic, touchy-feely stuff. Okay, here we go. It's very intuitive. Like, to me, it's like it really strengthened my intuition, actually. Like, or, or what, you know, it's like that nature that we already have. It really supports that. Yeah. An intuitive knowing. And if I wanted to go on the two-day course, let's say it's a taster just to get started, how much yeah. would that cost? $400. $400. For a two-day course. Okay. All right. So not cheap, <laughs> but it's intuitive knowing. Come on, Mark. Why don't you buy it? It is. And I, I'm kind of tempted. This is the kind of thing where I'd almost think, can I fork out $400 for a two-day course? Because I'm pretty sure it'd be a lot of fun. But unfortunately, they didn't seem to have much in the way of cheaper courses than $400. Um, and yes, as you said, it's a Scientology connection. The more I listen to her, the more I started twigging to little things that I was hearing, there was a mention of present time. And, and there's an idea in Scientology that there's a time track. Oh, yeah. And that you're either living in present time or you might be replaying past memories and they cause you problems. You might be replaying past memories from a previous life as well. Yeah, and so, that's how you get to pay back the billions of dollars you owe because you're going to be working for billions of years. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So there was that, and they were talking about how compatible it was with other religious beliefs, which is another thing that Scientology pushes, or it pushes at first. When you get deeper in, suddenly you realize that L. Ron Hubbard was very intolerant of other religions. But on the surface, they'll tell you, no, this has nothing to do with your religious belief. You can stay a Christian and you can become a Scientologist. And it seems to be the same with the Avatar people. So I looked it up, and it turns out it's no coincidence. Harry Palmer, who started Avatar, he used to pay L. Ron Hubbard to use the Scientology technology. Um, so there's, there's the same roots there, and then they ended up in court, and everything went a little bit wrong. But it looks like they've still held on to a lot of the lingo. Pardon me. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I, I would be keen to see it because, you know, I, I've done a bit of Scientology. And actually, we haven't really talked about my time in Scientology, but I, I have had some fun with Scientology handing out leaflets for them and things like that, which oh, we should great. talk about someday. Um, but, yeah, as, as something of an offshoot, I think maybe this would be another interesting one to look into. But I'd like to find out how many people are into it. I'm hoping not too many people have been suckered by this one. Okay, sorry for the brass band just bashing <laughs> right. in the ear all of a sudden then. The difference between the number one and two. Uh, more, uh, more details than that are unnecessary. Thank you very much, Mark Honeychurch, especially for your wonderful field work and show and tell today at the Allergy Expo. Thank you, Mark. It's public service. Cheers. Cheers. Later on this evening, it's a tough listen, the story of Rauparaha. Oh, yeah, sorry, I should do it this way. Pardon me. Oh, what a mess. Here we go. You get the information in the end, though. That's what you're here for. That chief who had insulted him and his wife, he brought them back to Kapiti. He cut open his wife's stomach, pulled out her innards, pegged them out, and made the chief dance around for two weeks while he killed him slowly with a fern root Yeah. Okay, next up, though, uh, Krishnan's Diary, remember, Dairy, remember that? Indian Inc., they've got a new show, Mrs. Krishnan's Big Party. It's touring around the country and internationally. They're world famous. Do be listening. All in celebration of New Zealand's Theatre Month. You're tuned in. You're tuned in. 
to Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Following on from our interview with Roger Hall last week as, you know, by way of an announcement and celebration of New Zealand Theatre Month throughout September. Oh, it was great to have a chat with Roger. He was a wonderful performance of a grumpy old man having a good old bitch about (laughs) theatre. (laughs) For a lot of it, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Someone a bit different here. Yeah. (laughs) We've got Kalyani... Nagarajan, uh, Nagarajan, the accents yes. on the ra. Yes. There we go, <laughs> Kalyani Nagarajan um, from Mrs. Krishnan's party. Mm. And to uh, listeners out there, that uh, I think to put you in, in the in the picture, it's from the famous Indian Ink Theatre Company, uh, which was um, founded by Justin Lewis. Yeah, and Jacob Rajan. And Jacob Rajan. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, Krishnan's Diary, wasn't it? Diary. Diary. Krishnan's yeah. Diary. <laughs> Krishnan's Diary is a whole different concept. Right. <laughs> and you are Mrs. Krishnan from Mrs. Krishnan's Party. Yes, it's pretty cool. Um, it's pretty intimidating because, like, I always thought, like, Jacob Rajan, best actor in New Zealand, New Zealand Order of Merit, da 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 da. Right. F- like, creating Xena 20 years ago. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, so, Kellyanne, um, we want you to play Xena Krishnan. And I went, uh, are you sure? <laughs> like, ah, but. Because this is international exposure. You, yeah, we're going hugely to. Hugely successful. Pits- yeah, but also, we're now international exposure. We're going to Pittsburgh, Vancouver, New York. But. Yeah, it's intimidating, but it's also a completely different kettle of fish. The show is like way more human, not massive masks. Um, and Jacob got away with playing a woman because he had these masks. But mm. with this show, we're in, you're in the space with me and with my co-actor, Justin Rogers. You can't, there's no faking it. Mm. Which is really exciting because the risk is so huge in the show. So, yeah. yeah, it seems a bit different in as much as the audience. You can actually get tickets for how involved you are going to be in this party. Yes and no. Some oh. people, some people go, "Oh, I thought I escaped," and I was like, "You are never safe in the show. If um, if we see that you're willing, you'll we'll we'll go for you." But um, okay, yeah, no, it's there are some seats where you definitely won't be participating, but. You just never know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah. All right. Now, it's around the festival of Onam. Yes. And you're throwing a party for this festival. Let's I ain't throwing a party. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fill my, me in. What? My, let's do the background on the festival itself. Oh, yes. So the festival is a harvest festival. So it's all, we. I think we're on our last day of Onam today, actually, which is really cool. Um, it's a harvest festival and it's about, uh, it's an Indian myth around this king called King Marvali. And it's about his sacrifice for his people and about him bringing uh, harmony back into the world and back into the sort of like demigod kind of area. Mm-hmm. So it's a celebration of that. And so it's a 10-day harvest festival. So it's like you play like tug of war and then there's a huge feast with like 14 dishes. It's it's incredible. Um, I was really lucky to eat the food last year. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's surrounded by that. And James, uh, my boarder, He's like this 20-year-old boarder that Mrs. K has, mm-hmm. decides to invite 150 people every night um, to her house. Um, but the premise of it is that Mrs. K wants to sell the dairy. After 20 years, Gobi was shot in the same dairy. She's been running this dairy for 20 bloody years. You know, like, uh, she's tired and she just wants out. Um, and then the day of the selling of the dairy, 150 people show up in her house. 
Nice. And then she has to do the like Indian hostess of going like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And that's how the audience uh, become part of the play itself, I suppose. Y- yeah. It's sort of like 20 minutes through, she kind of warms to them and then... She match makes people, gets singles together. Does all those things. Does all those things. So she, she opens herself up. Um, so it's, it's, it's less like, because I hate using the word audience participation. Yeah, and yeah, immersive theatre. Yeah. You and, and Roger that, Hall, we had a good moan about that. Yeah, I hate it. I hate that idea because it's just so like, eh, no, one wants, <laughs> no one wants it, honestly. But like, I'm such a, I'm, I'm also not a fan of fourth wall theatre. I think there's... A time and a place for it, and 2018 is not the time and the place for it because theatre is dying with my age, like the sort of 20s. We're not going to theatre because we can watch Netflix. You know, we can sit at home and just we, we choose yeah. what we want to watch. Yeah. It's so easy. A theatre people will understand what you mean by fourth wall. Oh. Just tell. Uh, yeah, so fourth, fourth wall is um, you've got three walls in the theatre and then the audience watch you and it's uh, as it's, a, it's like a clear plastic wall where we don't know you're there. And imaginary. You, imaginary wall, yeah. And so, yeah, my, my idea is that you're breathing the same air as the audience that have come to see you. Why not open yourself up to them and acknowledge that they're there? Yeah. And so in, Chris, in Krishnan's party, Mrs. Krishnan's party, the audience are like diegetic to the show, you know? Like they're not there for like comedic relief. You don't no. have to fake it. You don't have to go like, yeah, I'm from Cambodia. You know, you're just being you as a guest in the party. Right. So it's not like icky. Yeah. And I think a lot of audience participation is really icky. You just go like, come up and do a dance. Oh, and the yeah, audience yeah. like, really don't want to fucking oh, do a dance. Oh, you should have <laughs> heard me moan about WOMAD last year. Oh my God. Oh, no, this year. Don't clap your hands, sing along with us. No. We don't want to. No. You know? Yeah, I've paid good money to come and see you. And we're it's, it's worse when we uh, join in with you. Yeah. You you were good at it. Carry on. Yeah, you do it. Yeah. But yeah, for this one, we, we're not faking it. We're like, if you give us something, we're going to roll with it. And yeah. we, we just want you to be involved in the party. And that's it. It's just like, by the end of it, it's, it's pretty incredible because we serve Dal at the end as well. And it's getting made live on stage. Um, and it's incredible to watch. Everyone goes home after the theatre. They go home and then they have a little wine and go, oh, yes, that was all right. Yes, mm. whatever. But this one, out of the 150 people, 70 people stay in the loft um, or wherever we go and just eat dal with us. Nice. And you're like, whoa. Okay, so it's not breaking the fourth wall. There's no fourth wall to be broken. Nah. There's, it's just the concept of theatre. The rules are broken. Yeah. And you see like sort of the, like, the older theatre folks are like, oh, no. And we like Mrs. K is talking directly at them, and they're just like staring at me quite blankly. And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah. I am speaking to you." And then I ask them to like get some tin tomatoes or something, and I'm like, "Well, that means you have to get up out of your seat and get me the bloody tins, like okay. you know." And they're like, "Oh, oh, okay, okay." <laughs> you know, it's it's quite funny. Is there music at the party? Yes, it's a good, beautiful Indian. But it's really not like traditional Indian. It's quite electronic, beats, party. Well, there's a lot of that. Yeah. And the 20-year-old's the one that's running the music, not me. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Groovy. Um, Now, your background in theatre. Yes. So, I studied at Toifakari in Wellies uh, for three years. I'm like two and a half years out now. Mm -hmm. So, I've been super lucky with my time graduating, but... Uh, that's where I got my main theatre skills from, but I've been in collaboration with Indian Inc. for like about six years, so I can really say like they have taught me pretty much everything I know to this mm. day. They're an institution now, really, yeah. aren't they? 
educational, everything. And the best thing about Indian Ink is I was talking to Justin about it the other day is that they're always invigorated and they're always looking to what's happening in the world to inspire their work. They're not complacent. They're not going, well, we're Indian Ink Theatre Company. We don't need to do Mm. anything to branch out. They're going, how do we get bums on seats? $15 tickets. How do we get people my age, people younger to come to these shows? Let's make something that's fun and alive and fresh. Yeah. 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 There's a funny thing about stereotypes um, in that um, a lot of them are true. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's not good to think, okay, if um, you appear to be Indian, you must own a dairy. Yeah. But it's just true. It Lots is. of Indians own dairies. Yeah. Well, it's an honest living and it's just it's yeah. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're with your family pretty much 24-7. You've yep. got that support around you. Yeah. You've got people to help. And so if you're an, even if you're not an immigrant family, it's a, it's a good deal. Mm. Okay. Here's the, the, I suppose, the home run question. Yeah. Um, or it would have been a few... A couple of months ago, Apu and the Simpsons. What do you make of the fuss with that? Honestly, yeah, we, you can be be you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't really acknowledge um, that, like the sort of Simpsons reference. I don't know what the thing was when Apu was first being created as the son in Krishnan's, mm. um, but no, the flat out um, outrage. Oh, what's happening? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, it's disgusting. I'm, I'm, In what way? Explain. I'm 100% advocate for it. I'm just like... Um, advocate for Apu being on The Simpsons? For, for No, just for the complete, like... Oh, look, it's hard. Um, because it is a stereotype, but I just don't think it's done eloquently or well or... Ah. Also, I'm an Indian woman playing an Indian woman. Yeah. That's a white man playing an Indian man okay. who has no freaking idea probably right. what it's like to be that person. But what about the script writers? He's doing an accent. Yeah. But he's doing the script for But somebody couldn't you hire written. an Indian person to do that? I suppose Give so. them some jobs. Is it Give absolutely it... necessary to do that? Um in my opinion, yes. Okay. I think that if someone who wasn't Indian was playing Mrs. Krishnan, I'd be pissed because there aren't enough roles for us as there is. Right. You know? And I'm fighting for this industry and I'm going, the reason I'm doing this is to inspire another 16-year-old who, when I was watching theatre and television, there was no one who looked like me. Mm. You know? And then I see Apu and I go, oh, the issue with Apu is it's just funny. And then it makes the Indian accent funny. And then Mm. it makes the word curry muncher funny. We're not a funny race. Everyone in The Simpsons is a stereotype, though. Yes, but... I think Apu has taken to the to the next level where everything about him is a stereotype. There's no redeeming qualities of him. He's just like he's cheap. Oh, I thought he's... no, I thought he was really rounded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, eight kids, the the hard work, the love for his wife, it's the the depth to the character. Mm. I don't know. Well, you see it differently. I see it differently. Okay. I do. I go but personally it's because of the the way I've been treated in this country when I was younger, and now I don't right. take shit. Yeah. But people would go like, oh, bud, 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 bud. Apu literally says that. Right. And I'm going, okay, you're making a thing that I don't even sound like that. I don't even do that. I'm no. not I'm not that pe- person. You're making it really hard for maybe not that generation, but for my generation, yeah. for the first generations who have immigrated. Um, we still have a really close connection to our culture, but we're not that. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not going to own a dairy. Well, you're a Kiwi. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, but, but I'm Actually, also... Actually, the in, minute you immigrate, I always consider you as a Kiwi. Yeah. And so, 
I think it's it's fine because it's the Simpsons isn't really like a I mean it is a big big political thing but like look it's what it is. What infuriates me is people's what people take from that and they take the piss. Right. They take the piss out of Indians because of that. They don't take the piss out of white people because of Homer. Mm. You know. Oh, they take the piss out of useless dads. Yeah, but not not the entire race. No. Useless dads. Yeah. Useless white dads. Yeah. I suppose, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, There's opportunity for pathos. Does it happen? Yes. Because, (laughs) geez, I'm not kidding. My local convenience store, Dairy. Yeah. um, There was a really serious attempted freaking murder, and it's really shaken our little neighbourhood. Yeah, the one in Greylin as yeah, well. That was, was, that, that. was that. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. And have they shut down or are they still? No, they're still going. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is that shows the strength of that community and the strength of them willing to go, no. Yeah. Middle finger, this is this is our home and this is where we belong. Well, it brought out a lot of support from yeah. everyone in the community too. Yeah, and, but then I was listening to like the AM show the other day and they were going like, I mean, I don't live like out west-west, but like even on the New Lynn kind of border, like all of them are barred up. Yeah. All of the dairies. Yeah. You have to a buzz in to go into a dairy. I'm just like, holy. 3350 for a pack of 25 cigarettes. Yeah, you That'll do it, won't yeah, it? That'll do it. <laughs> They're still in gold. I know. But it's just like, it makes me really sad because these guys are just making an honest living. Yeah. You know, they're not. They're not criminals. They're not doing anything wrong. They just want to make money, live, and they live in the dairy. You know, Mrs. K lives in her dairy. It's just, mm. it's terrifying. And I go like, it's so important for that to be shown because it's still not in the media enough, in my opinion, about how these people are probably terrified to wake up in the morning and put themselves out on the front lines, you know? For some reason, I don't know, yeah, I guess it's the Siggies and it's all of that stuff that's getting them, mm. I'm going to steal this stuff. Yeah. But, and, and they don't have the the security like petrol stations do and like supermarkets do, so they are literally on the yeah. front lines. Bars don't get that um, targeted because you've got security, you've got more than one person and yeah. one fragile Indian woman in her 60s, you know? It's just like, it's And I don't want terrifying. our streets to look like Oakland. No. You know, just like, where everything's barred up. Yeah. But oh. I just don't I just don't understand it. I just go but it's it's interesting because like this wasn't such a huge thing when Krishnan's was made, but Gobi was shot because he was protecting the family from an intruder. Mm. But now you go like um twenty years on, it's that that political statement they made has come true now and it's happening all over New Zealand yeah. and it's just it's disgusting. All right. So there is room for pathos yeah. in Mrs. Krishnan's yeah, party. I th- well, I think it's 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 you see a woman brave enough, and you see a woman tired, and you but you just see this human, rather than all the fake things I see in New, New Zealand theatre these days. Yeah. Like, not not a, not to be an asshole, but like, yeah. it's true. I go like, well, this is great. Following on from Roger, oh, I kn- have a bitch about it all. Ooh. Roger, have a bitch about it all, good. Um, but no, honestly, uh. uh in in theatre, I don't see real issues, current issues being dealt with. You know, I see a little candy floss, mm. um, and then everyone gets to go home and have a wine and not think about their lives. Right. This one, 
you need to think about your life because it's well, actually, what Roger was th- saying is that it's almost always preaching to the converted anyway that the people come along to exactly uh, have their own ideas reaffirmed and end up having a merlot on the way out and going, mmm. Great, I fucking hate that. Good. That's not what theatre is. Theatre is political. It changed worlds. Restoration theatre, Shakespeare, all of it. It changed. It created war. It healed war. You know what the hell is it doing now? Nothing. It's doing the. It's going sipping on a merlot and going. Oh great, mm. great. I feel great about my life. Mm, I agree. And I'm just. Mm. It's just like that whole idea and concept needs to just piss off because <laughs> that's not. Do you channel this for <laughs> Mrs. Krishnan? Yeah. Whoop. <laughs> But it's not what it's supposed to be. It's like, mis- like, yeah, and exactly, like, this is a story about what happens when you're 53 mm. and you have no idea what to do with your life. Not, it happens. I'm 23 and I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. No one's going to, no one's telling us um, that it's okay to not know. Mm. Everyone's going, you need, a, you need to get a degree now yeah. and you need to become a lawyer, even though you're going to be unhappy becoming a lawyer and then you're probably going to get a divorce because you're unhappy being a lawyer and then blah, 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 blah. Well, don't know. And that's probably all a good scenario. Something I know. Something could happen. And, uh, but, you know, your options shut down more and more and more. Exactly, in this world. And, and this is a really intergenerational piece as well. Like Mrs. K is in the unknown and James is... In university, freaking out, doesn't know what he wants to do, has the pressure from his parents, from Mrs. Krishnan, from all of these things. So it targets both of those sides of when you're in your 20s, your early 20s, um, and not knowing, and then when you're in your 50s and not knowing, mm. and that it's okay. And and the story doesn't have a ha- happy ending. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have an ending as, sh- as such. It just goes, oh, okay, cool. Right. Fine. Okay. <laughs> like. Don't give anything else away. Yeah, I won't. I won't. Don't tell me your name, Pike. Hey. All right. Um, and, you know, just for theatre, whether it be television or... I know, actually, I suppose theatre, theatre. Mm. Um, the structure, the social and physical structure of a dairy, a family, you've got your commerce, your business, your family, your home life, your home, and the building. It's all... it's. It's white yeah. hot yeah, with yeah. opportunities in a small space, yeah. which is what you want theatre to be. Exactly, and it's pulsing, and you can feel it. People are going like in the stockroom. They're like, "What was happening?" And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then just erupts because it's just like. But the best thing about this is it's not, it's not about Mrs. Krishnan's family so much. It's about this weird border who's from Timaru mm. bringing it out in this fifty-three-year-old matriarch, and that's where the unexpected happens. And theatre should be unexpected, you know? It should be, like, full of, like, whoa, 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 taking you on this huge journey, whereas I just see people falling asleep. Ah, Weekend Variety. Wireless. Regarding the last interview, yeah, we've got the direct link to uh, Mrs Krishnan's party on the Weekend Variety Wireless webpage. Here comes new sport and weather at 10 o'clock.